E-commerce is a polarizing subject in building materials. And in this week's episode of Smarter Building Materials Marketing, Beth and I dive into why every single building material manufacturer needs to consider e-commerce. I don't care if you're selling directly to homeowners or you're in the commercial space. It's something you need to consider. And we're going to share with you the reasons why and how to actually get started if you're not doing it. And for those of you that are already doing e-commerce, we've got some great insights and tips about how to improve your store as well. So with that, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing. I am Zach Williams alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov. Hey, Beth, how are you doing? Hey, I'm excited. Big shout out to everybody who's going to immediately stop listening to our podcast this episode when they figure out we're talking about e-commerce. E-commerce. It's the future, right? It's like the elephant in the room. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's something that a lot of manufacturers want to do. They see that there's opportunity, but like, goodness, like actually launching it, it's a ton of work. Yeah. Let's not pretend like there's not just a ton of logistics to get figured out and It's certainly not just a plug and play for every single product, but it's almost awkward not to talk about it at this point. I mean, it's just the way that marketing and sales are going. If you're not working on how do you get your product to your customer directly, I think you're going to end up losing out on sales. Like we were chatting, prepping for the podcast, and basically it's a when, not an if situation. And it's also a question of, is it going to be you to the market first or your competitor? That not only goes for B2C, but also B2B. Like the thing that most people don't know about is that B2B online sales is actually almost three times as much as B2C sales via e-commerce. That's a stat that got put out, I think, 2017, is that global e-commerce sales was for B2C was 2.3 trillion and for B2B was 7.7 trillion. Now I know that there's a lot of things playing into those numbers. But like as a manufacturer, we tend to think like, oh, my sales channel is this way and I don't want to disrupt my current sales process. And that's truth. That's something you got to think about is how do you not disrupt your existing channel and your channel partnerships? But you got to start thinking about this today and how you can start to roll this out in some capacity, whether it's this year or next year. Or, you know, frankly, we really believe that every manufacturer needs to be delving into this to some extent because goodness, it's like it's everyone's expectation. You know, I know we've got a lot of complex products out there, but it is the idea of convenience and buying it and not dealing with people, which sounds bad, Like, but that's just the nature of the world we live in. I think you've said a lot of important points, Zach. I want to make sure that we unpack all of them. I think let's just circle back to the fact that B2B is actually a larger portion of e-commerce than B2C, because let's be honest, we talk about e-commerce and everybody just thinks Amazon. And yes, Amazon is a giant, but that's not where e-commerce begins and ends. They're trend setting, they're changing user expectation across the board, absolutely. But if you think your product can't be sold on Amazon, and so therefore e-commerce isn't a good fit for you, then you're just, you're having too narrow of an idea of what e-commerce is and even what your audience expects. That is such a good point, Beth. But I think, you know, the thing we like as marketers that we like about e-commerce is like, yes, it gets you closer to the customer, but selfishly, it's that closed loop reporting. Like so many, oh man, right? Like it's like, man, so many manufacturers <laughs> we deal with, they like, we get them leads, we grow their awareness and then they hand them off to a rep 
or to a distributor or to a dealer. And like the ability for them to get like one-to-one level reporting, it, it takes a ton of work. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Like e-commerce though, like you get everything. You see every little step. You see where people leave the cart. You see how they came in. You see all of their little micro decisions and you can tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak to improve that conversion rate or that sale rate. All of that customer data is yours. All the customer data is yours and all of the ability to nurture through the full customer journey, not just to the point where they're handed off, but to the point where if they abandoned the cart, you can give them, you know, 5% off to come back and complete their purchase, which we've seen be incredibly successful, or even they're on your site and you're able to send them emails about that specific product and then eventually send them an email that takes them to the cart. Click on this, boom, you're in the cart page and that product is already in the cart. I mean, there's just such ability to control the customer journey and really see an increase in sales. So the point here, Zach, is it's not just about meeting customer expectation, but it's really about the potential to grow sales. What sales are you missing? Because leads are being handed off to overworked reps or dealers and distributors who aren't able to prioritize every single lead that you hand them. You know, Beth, one thing I think it's important to note is that we're not saying that the traditional sales model of building materials is broken. Right. What we're saying is that there's additional sales out there to be had. And so there's manufacturers we work with who we've launched e-commerce for or we improve e-commerce for, and they always talk about how to navigate that conversation with existing partnerships, whether those are dealers or retailers or reps or whatever it might be. Preserving those relationships is typically the number one reason why people don't go down the e-commerce path. Yeah, we know that for a lot of manufacturers, dealers and distributors, they're your number one customer. Like they are top of the list of who you want to keep happy. And we are not negating that or saying that is misaligned in any sort of way. Dealers and distributors are incredible partners for so many of our clients and absolutely vital to the success of the building materials channel. There's no question about that. We're certainly not recommending circumventing or cutting out dealers and distributors. We love those guys. What we are saying is that a lot of times the way that we hear clients and manufacturers positioning it is it's good business for everybody to grow demand for our product. So we're not looking to compete against you. And a lot of times they'll even vet leads. If we see one of your main customers starting to come through our e-commerce platform, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, we know that you always buy from X dealer and distributor. Let's get on a call with them and see how we can make, if there's something that you're finding our lead times are faster or whatever it is, because you'll have that customer data, you're able to dig down to that level and say like, whoa, 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 this is a major player for one of our dealers and distributors. And we want to make sure that we're honoring that relationship. And then you're able to even further the partnership that you have with that dealer by showing them how much you respect and want to help grow their business. So it's not about competing. It's really just about growing market share for everybody involved selling your product. You know, Beth, I was on a call yesterday actually with a client of ours who was talking to all of their dealers and they wanted to know specifically, okay, yes, we're growing awareness online, but they wanted to know how did that awareness not only help their efforts with Amazon, but how is it helping the dealers? And I think the connection for growing awareness and driving sales via e-commerce and how that impacts dealers, like that conversation is becoming easier to have because people see, okay, if we're growing awareness and we're growing 
the footprint of our brand and our product online, it's only going to help dealers and distributors as well. Absolutely. There are three big reasons why you need to be considering e-commerce today if you're not already doing it. The number one reason is because it's your customer's expectation that there's an easy access to buying your product. If your product is already being sold online somewhere and you are not selling it directly via, let's say, Amazon or your own website, you're losing out on a ton of customer data and you're losing out on owning that channel, right? The second biggest reason why is because if you can get into it in some capacity, whether you're selling just a few products or a few parts of your product today, it's going to help you down the road because you're figuring out those logistics. You're figuring out how to sell. You're looking at the things that are important from an e-commerce standpoint that frankly just takes time to iron out. And the final reason is that it's just a, it can be a competitive advantage for your business. Like if none of your competitors are doing e-commerce to the extent that you are and you are seen as the best online resource or best e-commerce store in your industry, that right there is a reason why someone's going to buy from you and not from one of your competitors. Like it's a completely different channel that no one is operating in or not doing to the extent that you could. We said in the beginning, it's not just Amazon. That's not the beginning and the end of e-commerce. However, they are the standard. They're setting the standard. They're changing audience expectations. Amazon is winning because they are fast, easy, and cheap. They said it couldn't be done, and then there came Amazon. They did it. They did it. So this is now your audience's expectations. Whether or not that's what they're voicing to you, it's now what they expect. We all expect to be able to get what we need, I mean, really even in 48 hours. But that lead time is obviously longer in the building materials industry, but subconsciously, lead times are becoming more of a burden. They're just feeling like more of a burden to your audience because it's so ingrained in us. I can get things quickly. If you can't deliver fast, easy, and reasonably priced, you should really consider the areas that need improvement. What will it take to match those expectations? That's how you'll be successful on e-commerce, not just have e-commerce, but have e-commerce successfully. What do you need to do to lower lead times, lower overhead, stock inventories, get shipping aligned, not have to ask your customer to pay exponential pricing for shipping. We know that that's one of the main turnoffs on e-commerce, right? People will pay thousands of dollars for a product, but then the shipping is $150. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe I should reconsider. Yeah. I think your point here, Beth, about your audience's expectation. I mean, it's that Amazon effect. That's what it comes down to is like your audience's expectations of what it should look like to interact with you and buy from your product category are constantly changing. And that's not just B2C, that's B2B as well. Yeah. So pushing that envelope, trying to iron out the areas that are not consistent with what people want, like it is frankly, it's just a good way to evaluate the strategy and delivery of your product into the marketplace. Another good question to ask yourself is what products do I want to sell on e-commerce? E-commerce may not be a fit for every single product in your catalog, and that's okay. One of the objections we hear a lot is we have thousands and thousands of SKUs. How could we possibly put all of that on one single site? And the answer to that is maybe you shouldn't. You know, maybe there are a, what's your core market offering? What's your core product offering? And let's start there. The things that are easy to explain, easy to take images of, easy to understand how to specify or which one you'll need and start there and scale up. You don't have to start at 100% of all products for all markets. 
but there's a bunch of our clients who have very customizable products who just say, no, we're just going to take the 5% that are very easily replicatable, that there's not a lot of configuration. They just sell online. They just sell those. Like They don't worry about the customized, really difficult to produce products to sell those. They're only focusing on that 5% that's really easy to sell and get out the door. So the questions you have to ask yourself before you go down the path of e-commerce, there's so many, but the big ones that we see are, as Beth mentioned, what products do you want to sell? How are we going to price those products? Because obviously there's an element of you don't want to disrupt your channel too much. How are you going to handle that shipping and logistics component? And then how do you manage lead times? Like that is, it's an expectation that people can get it tomorrow. And if you can't get it tomorrow, you have to explain to your audience why and help them see the vision for it. That's definitely something you can overcome. It's just something to keep in mind. The other thing to note about pricing I think is really important is that a lot of manufacturers we talk to, and I think this is a really smart tactic, they will not price things tremendously competitively out of the gate because they don't want to disrupt their channel, right? So they will price things a little bit higher or at like standard MSRP pricing to work out logistics, make sure they understand their checkout process, make sure things flow internally on their end really well before they open the floodgates to price their products on their website more competitively. That is such a smart tactic because you're basically saying, let's get their inventory online, let's get everything set up, but let's not price it too competitively because we want people to buy other places and just a few people to buy from us. So you're not really going prime time with your e-commerce store out of the gate. You're giving yourself some buffers, some leeway to figure out how do we do this the right way. When launching your e-commerce store, there's so many components to the actual front face of your store that you need to consider. There are a bunch of checkboxes that a person is implicitly looking at when they're checking out your site or your store online. And this is true for product pages as a whole, regardless of e-commerce, Beth. You know, like these are things that we look at whether you sell online or not. It's really imagery, lead times, are there any reviews, how your product works, how is it installed, and the dimensions of your product. Like those things are really, really critical. And making sure that that is laid out in a way that people can grab a hold of is smart. Like I think if you look at like Pella's website, they show the product as it stands by itself. They show it in use. They give reviews, they give product description, and they share all the information about how to actually buy the product, even if it's not being bought from their website. Like those are really good checkboxes to have. And those are things that you should constantly monitor and improve and tweak and optimize. A good way to go about this is to think, what are the main questions that you get about your product? When your sales reps are on calls, what are the top 10 questions they know they're going to have to answer about your specific product? And then what would you need to do on that e-commerce product page? Because there's not going to be anybody there to answer those questions. So that page needs to answer all of those questions for you. And the importance of imagery really can't be overstated. So many of those questions should be answered through imagery. So it should tell me What does it look like from multiple angles? If there's a specific type of tool that's going to be needed for installation, how can you showcase that? What does it look like when it's installed? What does it look like next to other complementary products? Are there several different types of installation shots that you need to include so that everything is clear? If you just think about, again, we always talk about we're marketing to architects, builders, but you're marketing to people. So as a person, when you're purchasing something, whether within the industry or not, what are the questions that you want asked? If you're buying something from drywall to tennis shoes, 
you have different questions for those different products. So how can you answer them with imagery and making sure that it's absolutely exhaustive? Not to mention video. Video. We talked about this in our episode we had about video, Beth. We shared that Zappos released a stat that when they introduced video on their product pages, their conversion rate went up like exponentially, like over 50% or something crazy. Yeah, some it's really high. I bet it's even higher now. Yeah, I mean, video, it, it kind of goes without saying, but the points that you're making about the things that you need to have on your product page for e-commerce are the things that every manufacturer should have on the product page, regardless of if they have e-commerce. True. Oh my gosh, true. Say it again. You know, <laughs> so true. Like you need those things on your site. Like the questions that people have, your product page needs to answer those things. Absolutely. So what does it take to actually get your e-commerce store set up? There are, as we mentioned, a bunch of different ways that you can tackle this. We highly recommend if you have not done e-commerce on your own to start small. But you've really got to start with really planning out what is needed from your end to launch e-commerce and then also ensuring that you have buy-in from the different players on your team. And that includes sales. So if you're disrupting or adding this new channel to how your product is distributed and sold, you have to get buy-in from every different department or every different facet of your business in order for it to be successful. And the next thing, and this is the thing that people love to talk about, is the platform. Like, how are we actually going to sell? Like, what tool are we going to use online to sell our product? We're actually not talking about Amazon here. We're talking about your own website. There are a million different e-commerce stores, whether it's Shopify or something as simple as like WooCommerce via WordPress There's a bunch of different ones out there, and that's not really the point of today's episode, but I can tell you that most content management systems have some sort of e-commerce, but the thing we'd always recommend is that the buying process of buying your product is seamless within your website. That's the biggest thing, is if I'm on your product page and you've got e-commerce, don't take me to another website to buy your product because you have some sort of micro e-commerce website. If you can integrate it directly into your website your existing website and buy directly there. That typically leads to higher conversion rates and a better overall experience for your audience. And it's important here to spend time thinking about the user experience of the checkout. Because if you're building e-commerce, you don't want to spend all of this time figuring out what products are you going to have on there? How are you going to meet fulfillment needs? How are you going to lower lead times? And then have a poor user experience with checkout and see people drop off at exponential rates. The checkout process is make or break. It's not the, well, this is just the last step. I have a great product page, so don't worry about it. Having a seamless, really easy to navigate, minimal checkout experience is key to seeing real conversions and real sales from e-commerce. And Beth, where do we spend most of our time in conversion rate optimization? It's that final step in e-commerce. It's that conversion. Absolutely. I mean, that's why Google Analytics has their e-commerce you know, component directly within Google Analytics. You can see every step of the checkout process and where people are abandoning, how much is being abandoned. So you can tweak and tweak and optimize and really fine tune that process to get the most amount of people through your checkout as you can. The other things you have to consider with your e-commerce, and these are things like I kind of view these like plumbing but like your logistics, your fulfillment, and your customer service. And I view them like plumbing because nobody, at least from a customer's end, thinks about that until something is wrong. (laughs) Like you don't think about your plumbing at your house unless your toilet is flooding or like your basement is flooding, you know? People just expect logistics to work, fulfillment to happen, and customer service to be incredible. If those things are not ironed out, regaining that trust and rebuilding that authority in your space is going to be an uphill climb. 
So Beth, who do you think is doing it well? Like what manufacturers are you seeing that are doing e-commerce really well? I think Stickwood is doing an excellent job. They're really focused strongly on the DIY market. One of the things I like about how they're handling it is, first of all, when you go to their homepage, one of the very first pieces to load even says shop. So they're getting people right into the purchase experience. And they're also letting you immediately know you can buy this product here, which is key to e-commerce, obviously. The other thing I really like is how they're handling video. So if you go to a product page, you get a whole page video of a person holding that product. And that is so key for a product where dimensions are just a little bit difficult to imagine. But then when I go to the four by eight piece of Stickwood page, I immediately see a woman or a man holding that piece in motion. So they're turning it around. They're looking at it from multiple angles. So you're immediately answering a bunch of customer questions before I've even gotten to imagery, gotten to text on there to tell me about your product. I just, I love what that experience brings me as a customer to tell me all of these answers to my questions, tell me what size it is, what it's going to look like in real life, not just in imagery. It's a really good experience and their cart experience, man. It's a pleasure. Their cart experience is baller. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. What else could you say about somebody that it's a pleasure? (laughs) Sounds like Chick-fil-A, right? It's my pleasure. The other one I really like, Beth, is Hunter Fan. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like it is they just do what you expect an e-commerce site to do. Like their product listing page has got all the different configurations and customizations I might want, like from size to color to finish to lighting. Like it's got all of that. And then on the product page, it's just very straightforward. They've got pricing, reviews, descriptions, all of those elements that we look for. And if a product is out of stock, which I think is really interesting, they've got a way for you to be notified via email when it's back in stock. Instead of just saying, oh shoot, we don't have it, come back later. They'll say, oh, we'll notify you. Like those types of really thoughtful little components make your site that much more successful. You know, Beth, I was actually sharing a website we built recently for one of our clients with my wife, explained her how much time and effort we put into this checkout process. And her response was awesome because she was like, how did you spend so much time? This is just so simple. And I was like, exactly. That's the best answer. I was like, exactly. Like to get it to be so simple is it's difficult. And so I think... That's an encouragement to anybody out there who's either doing e-commerce or considering it is knowing that like getting it to be stupid simple and to be really easy, it takes effort. Like coming out of the gate and doing that, it's difficult, but like it's something you've got to work towards. We've mentioned a couple of times that this is something we hear a lot about. E-commerce is a topic we're talking about with manufacturers more and more often. So we'd actually love to hear from you. If you currently have e-commerce, you're a building materials manufacturer utilizing e-commerce, we'd love to hear from you about what's working well. Or if you have questions about how to get started or all of the reasons that you know e-commerce wouldn't work for you and you think we're just absolutely wrong, we want to hear from you too. So shoot us an email, podcast at venvio, V-E-N-V-E-O.com, and let us know what's working, why you're not doing it and you'll never do it, why you want to get into it because you know it's going to be successful, but all the hurdles you're concerned about getting over. Just any little thoughts that you have about e-com. We want to hear them. Awesome. Well, thank you, Beth. Yeah, drop us a line at podcast at venvio.com. Until next time, I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks, everybody. 
You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.